0: And why don't we just give God praise and glory for everything he's doing at the church. We are just overwhelmed with God's grace and what he allows us at the well to really do through you. You're given, you seek the Lord. We tell you every week, God loves a cheerful giver. Seek the Lord and then be used of the Lord and by the Lord to love others throughout the city, throughout the country, and then beyond the border, so so we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you. We celebrate with you, Mark. Thank you uh, for your leadership uh, with the missions team. Missions team, thank you for your heart, and and I want to encourage you. Uh, when I was uh, in youth ministry, I had the opportunity to take youth groups down to uh, do the builds, and uh, I want to encourage you. Uh, sometimes it can seem a little daunting, uh, just personally, uh, And we focus on the families and we should, and you know, and serving. Uh, but sometimes you just going is God's step of sanctification and growth in your own life. And uh, so don't dismiss it. Honestly, pray and seek the Lord because he may want you to go because he knows that uh, it's where you are and what you need to trust him maybe for the finances to get there, to trust him with maybe your, your fears and insecurities uh, about what it is to Cross the border. I remember when I was a high school director in uh, Oceanside, we went down to build a a home, and uh, there were uh, sisters who had never left the United States. And really, the impact of them uh, was when we got to uh, the Tijuana border crossing, and when we crossed into Tijuana. It was the first time they had ever left the United States, even though we could throw a rock and then hit the United States. Uh, The fact that we were on the other side of the border wall was a step of faith for them, a step of growth. Uh, So sometimes it's not the home in and of itself. Sometimes it's just the journey to get there. And it's all part of God's growth and sanctification. So, So don't dismiss it necessarily offhand and say, oh, that's for the young ones, or I could never do that. You just might be surprised. And again, it might, you might be surprised by God's provision for you to get there. Um, okay? So honestly, pray about it. If you have more information, uh, ask Mark, and I'm sure he would love to pray with you and give you more details. Uh, also, before we jump into the study, I just want to acknowledge it is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I come from a Navy family. I'm a Navy brat. My dad uh, was in the uh, Navy for 20-plus years. In fact, uh, for a short time, we were stationed in Adak, Alaska, you don't know where Adak is. It's a small island at the end of the Aleutian Island chain. So I don't know what my dad did. to have to get stationed out there. Uh, but we were out there, and I see little 8-millimeter movies of me as a toddler running around in snowdrifts in Adak, Alaska. So I come from a military family. My brother uh, went to the Naval Academy, served in the uh, Navy for several years. So uh, if you served in the military, we want to we applaud you and celebrate you because uh, we're free. We're free to celebrate worshiping God in this country, and much of that comes from your service and sacrifice. So if you have served in the military in any branch, and we do celebrate you online as well, uh, if you've served in any branch of the military, can you just stand up? We just want to celebrate you and say thank you on this Memorial Day. (laughs) Yes, we we do celebrate uh, our freedom uh, in the country, but uh, but ultimately our freedom in Christ, our freedom in Christ. And as Jordan said, it is so good to see many of you uh, this morning. It is great to see a lot of faces I haven't seen here uh, in quite a while. And uh, if you uh, have been with us online or are here, you know we've been going through the Book of Ephesians. In fact, we started Ephesians way back March 2020, and we're kind of almost coming to the home stretch. Uh, but with me, you know that home stretch can. Take us a year or so, I don't know. Uh, but I thought it'd be good as we, as we kind of move out of the, the specific pieces of armor, and we're to discuss praying always today, uh, to kind of live a little bit of context. Now, the book of Ephesians was writ- written by the Apostle Paul to believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding region. The first half of the book of Ephesus, chapters 1, 2, and 3, the book of Ephesians, uh, really speaks to... The incredible, supernatural, wonderful blessings we already have in Christ. Amen? Right? A great verse to summarize chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Ephesians is verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen? If you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing as you sit here. As you sit here. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 is really speaking to doctrinal truths uh, about who we are in Christ, many blessings we already have. Then we transition to 4, 5, and 6, and verse uh, 1 in chapter 4 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So 4, 5, and 6 transitioned into what we call the practical application. Hey, okay, believers, I spent three chapters telling you all the incredible blessings you have. Now, I want you to go live it. Now I want your walk to match your talk. That's what 4, 5, and 6 are all about. Okay, that's the context. And then immediate context is uh, we've been in the last few months uh, looking at the armor of God. And I'm going to read Ephesians six ten through 17. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so we spent the last few months looking at each of these pieces of armor. Question again is, did you put it on today? Right? Did you consciously... You know, say, okay, Father, I understand there's an enemy scheming against me individually. I need your armor. By faith, I put on truth. By faith, I put on righteousness. I put the salvation. Did you, did you kind of consciously walk through it and move out into the day in power and strength and, and all that God has already provided, right? And then we're going to move forward in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 today. It says this, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I, I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So for the next few weeks, we're actually in a camp on this uh, pericope, this passage of verses 18 to 20, and it's focusing on prayer. Now remember... The context, it's in prayer, in the context of the armor of God, in the context of having your walk match your talk. Context is very important, okay? So he lists all these specific pieces of armor, he says, put it all on, and then in the next breath, it's actually a comma, praying at all times. Some version says, praying always. And, and we need to link this, Okay? We need to link prayer to spiritual warfare, armor of God. We need to link prayer to having a walk worthy of our calling. Okay, John MacArthur says this. All the while that we are fighting in the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, we are to be in prayer. Prayer is the very spiritual air that the soldier of Christ breathes. It is the all-pervasive strategy in which warfare is fought. Ephesians begins by lifting us up to the heavenlies and ends by pulling us down to our knees. Okay? And if you remember back in 2019, we we did a series where we walked through the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, and and the title of that series was, Are You Praying or Just Saying? Right? And we, we really looked at Jesus' teaching and the model prayer. And, and we asked ourselves, what is prayer? And I know that that series helped many of you. Okay? And, and my, my hope, again, is as we walk through praying always and really the topic of biblical prayer, that not only will you be challenged, but you'll grow. You'll, be gro- you, you'll grow. Matt, uh, Martin Lloyd Jones says this Prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. Man is at his greatest and highest when upon his knees he comes face to face with God. And this is, this is where I want to encourage us uh, this morning. When we teach on prayer, there might be a tendency for you to check out because you're familiar with it. Let me, let me just uh, ask you, how many of you prayed this morning? Or you, you, you left your home, right? Uh, good old Marvin. Uh, when Marvin started attending our church uh, years and years ago, I remember he came up to me uh, and he said, you know what? You guys pray more in your service than any church I've ever been to. Like you pray in the beginning, then you pray again, then you pray at the end. He's like, you guys pray a lot. I'm like, yeah, We do. We do. And, and I want to encourage you, even if prayer is sort of into your routine and it's solid, not to check out on me, not to check out on what the Lord might speak to you even today about prayer, okay? So, so hang with me. Ephesians 6.18 says this, "'Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints.'" Now, Jordan talked about last week's message on biblical meditation and how sometimes in our, even our enthusiasm, we, we quantify Bible reading. How much did you read? I'm going through the entire Bible. And we kind of get this quantity measurement of our faith and biblical meditation slows us down and says, no, but what's the quality? Are you chewing on it? Are you, are you meditating on that verse so, so God can speak to you and bring personal application, right? Well, when it comes to prayer, and particularly this verse, I had that moment where I read this passage, I read the three verses, 18 to 20, then I read 18, and then I went back to starting at one word at a time, and I got to be honest with you, I couldn't get past the first word. And I've been in ministry for 30 years, walking with the Lord a little bit longer than that. Praying at all times in the Spirit, and I'm, here I am, I start my studying early in the week, and suddenly one word gets, uh, dun, 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 and I start, well, what is praying? What does that even mean biblically? What's the biblical word for praying? Like, Let's start there, praying, right? So if you didn't know, the, the word praying is prosuhomai, and it's going to come up on the screens, prosuhomai, that's how you pronounce that. Okay? And here's the crazy thing, right? So it, it's two syllables. There's pros. Everyone say pros. And then the other word is uhomai. You can say that, uhomai, right? So it's pros, uhomai. So I'm looking at this, and I'm, you know, I have my resource, and I'm going through it. And I, and I go pros. Okay, it's a prefix. And I'm ready to just like, it's the prefix, right? So I start studying what does pros mean, and i couldn't get past the first syllable of the first word in this verse pros uhomai i could i'm still processing the first syllable in the greek word for pray praying pros uhomai now uhomai means to speak out in this case, to God, with an aim, specific aim, or to offer a request. So actually, many of us, you're good with uhomai. Because when I say, did you pray, you go right to, well, I talked to God and I brought in my list. I had an aim, I have a need, there's a crisis, uh, I, I, I talked to God with a specific aim for somebody, for something, I uhomai Okay, so... We, we're good with uhomai. Coming to God with a specific aim, offering requests. That's uhomai. What many of us need and neglect and maybe never, ever, ever heard was you need the pros. Before you get to uhomai, pros sets the stage, the proper attitude and heart and demeanor before you start uhomai okay because pros means toward facing consciousness that one is speaking to god pros i am now engaging in a supernatural intimate face-to-face encounter with the God of the universe. Pros. That'll rock your world. Because if prayer is uhomai, then I approach prayer like the God of the universe is just supposed to sit there and take notes about everything I'm telling him that I need and want. Many times our prayer is self-centered. I'm coming to God to talk to him about what I need him to do to meet my need, to meet my want, Maybe they're good needs and good wants. Maybe they're supplications and intercessions. But what we do when we approach prayer is we come with, okay, God, you ready? You got your note and pen? Don't miss a thing because I'm going to be very specific. And sometimes we even tell them when we'd like it done. Just a little bit of a gut check. How many of us, you want to raise your hand? Over time, maybe it's, again, maybe you were taught this. Maybe you were never taught pros. Bring your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart, right? So many of us, our prayer equals us requesting. That's uhomai. What we have not been challenged to do is pros. To sit before the God of the universe That through faith in Jesus, we get to call Abba, Father, and let the reality of to whom we're speaking set the stage for what we're about to say or not. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, this is what happens when Isaiah sees God. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. Now, here's Isaiah's response to being in the presence of God. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. See, Isaiah Gets this vision of seeing God on the throne, and rather than saying, Are you ready to take notes? He's on his face. He says, Woe is me. What a radical, radical response to the reality of who God is and being in God's presence. Isaiah has this, woe is me. I'm in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God. In Revelation eleven sixteen 16 and 17, look at this. And the 24 elders who sit under thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The elders in heaven... Fall on their faces before God. What a radically different picture than us coming to Uhomai and just give him our list of honeydews for him. What a radically different way to begin prayer with pros to sit before God long enough to allow the reality of who you're talking to. You ever have one of your kids or someone else kind of talk disrespectful to you? And have any of you ever said this? You don't talk to me that way. You ever say, uh, excuse me, you know who you're talking to? You ever hear that? Right? What's that? It's a check. It's like, whoa, check the dude. Check the tone. Check the tone. You don't talk to me that way. Remember who you're talking to. Well, who are we talking to in pros ooh, oh, my. Who are we to come into the throne of God and begin to dictate to him what we think he should do and when he should do it? I think in a very loving way this morning, he wants to check up my heart, check your heart and say, uh, "Who are you talking to?" Uh, you can talk to me that way. See, one of the benefits I shared with the, with the leaders this meeting uh, this morning is I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church in tradition. And for you who have grown up in the same way, I grew up with what we call a high view of God. This this you walk into a, a Catholic church or even other types of churches, cathedrals, and it's meant to awe you about God. Reverence, humility, right? And you kind of recognize the bigness of God and it checks you. It's a check about becoming demanding and bossing him around. It's like, man, okay. And I remember times, even as a youngster growing up the Roman Catholic Church, there was times when I would just be kneeling down, and I would just overwhelmed with the sense of the bigness of God. And then I think sometimes in the evangelical church, because we stress that it's it's not a religion, it's a relationship. I think sometimes we get overly casual with God. He's our buddy. He's our friend. Well, okay, the Bible says he's our father, and we're going to talk about that. Abba, Father, Papa, we're his sons and daughters. But sometimes if we're not careful, we lose the awe and the humility that he's still God. Exalted. Holy, holy, holy. And we become flippant. We just become flippant when it comes to him, you know? And that's what's at my heart. You know, it's like, man, where did we lose that? Where did I lose? Where did we lose that? And sometimes, you know, this is not meant to, to drill anyone, but you know, even when it comes to like getting to church on, on on time on Sundays, it's not because of the we start on time. It's like you're coming to the house of God. Like God. Like when you come to church and the church gathers, it's not just to go through the routine of another service. We believe that we are celebrating the presence of God. Amen? That, that we're worshiping the living God that we call Father. Amen? Amen. We got to get here. Like you should be. Man, I remember at a church in San Diego, people were so like focused and enthused about getting together. They were lined up outside the doors waiting for the doors to open 15 to 20 minutes before church started. There was like this crowd outside the doors. It was, a, it was on a junior high campus and the service was in the gym and they would have to keep the doors closed and everyone was just kind of like out there. And then when the doors opened, you know what? It was like a concert. People ran to get to the front because they wanted to be there to worship God. I was like, this is crazy because it's cool, right? And, and I just think, where are we? Where are you? Where am I? In the idea of pros cross, right? And then I thought of, in, in the model prayer, Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says this, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So do you see, he has duality of intimacy, our Father, Abba, Papa, Daddy, that intimate familial term, okay, and then he says, hallowed be your name. Holy reverence to your name. He doesn't say, pray like this. Hey, Dad, what's up? He says, pray like this. Our Father, Abba, hallowed be your name. This is Jesus. He never lost who his Father is. Hallowed. Be your name, right? And, and the name, right, if, if you've read through the Old Testament, it's often where right, they'll give a name and then they'll give the meaning, right? Because names mattered in the Old Testament. Names meant something. Names were a self-revelation. It was a character description, okay? That's why you see in the Old Testament, you know, so-and-so and this means this. And, and then you would see God interact with people, right? And it would give, you know, a name of God and it would be significant to the event, because names matter. And so Jesus says, hallowed be your name. And I'm thinking, okay, wait. Maybe this morning, to help us experience and understand pros, maybe we need to hallow God's name by looking at some of the names of God in the Old Testament. Right? And so one of the names is Elohim. Elohim. What does Elohim mean? God, creator, mighty and strong, supreme one, right? This is God. And this is where you find it in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, Elohim, God, created the heavens and the earth. Elohim, that's his name, right? What's another name? El Shaddai, God Almighty, all-sufficient one, the Lord God Almighty. You know what this? God is all-powerful, and he can meet all my needs, El Shaddai. Genesis 17.1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. How about El Elyon, the Most High God? What does this mean? It it speaks of his absolute right to lordship, his sovereignty, his majesty. El Elyon. Psalm 57.2. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Here's one, El Olam, the everlasting, the eternal God. You know what this means? It means God created time, but he's not bound by it. we, We change over time, but God is outside of time. You know what that means? He doesn't change. Amen? That means he's trustworthy. That means he's dependable. He's unchanging. El Olam, the everlasting God, he's not bound by time. Right? Psalm 90, verse 1 and 2. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. El Olam. Hallowed be your name. And then, if we fast forward, there's, there's so many more you can study. If you, if you wanted something to study, study the names of God in the Old Testament, they'll rock your world. And then when you go to pros, before you start asking God for things, focus on the names of his names, who he is, who you're talking to. El Olam, El Shaddai, El Elyon, Elohim. That's who you're talking to. Life-changing. Radical. And then if we fast forward to the New Testament, we have this absolutely revolutionary shift in another name of God and this name would have flipped the Jews on their head because he's called Abba father papa daddy it's a term of endearment it is a familial relationship that the Jews would have said you gotta be kidding me that's Yahweh That's unapproachable. He's unapproachable. You're calling him Abba? You're calling him Papa? We don't understand the depth of that. That you and I, through faith in Jesus, were adopted as sons and daughters into his family, we have the privilege to call him Abba. Not just God. Abba. And, and and I'll share that with you. You have to take advantage of what you're allowed to do. It is a privilege. Not everyone can call God Abba. Only his children. Only his children can call him Abba. Romans eight fifteen. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry Abba, Father. And I'll be honest with you, you know something that does me? You know what's changed my, my, my personal life, my relationship just personally? I call him Abba. Abba. It has radically changed how I approach him. Not overly familiar, but I, I approach him as, as, as a son adopted into his family, but it's also El Shaddai, El Elyon, Elohim, El Olam, but he's my Abba, Abba, right? And and, and don't forget, in, in Leviticus 16, remember, in the Levitical system, only the high priest on the day of atonement could go into the presence of God. Remember that? Remember that? But through faith in Jesus, who gets to go into the presence of Abba? We do. We, through faith in Jesus, get to do something that the Jews would have considered crazy. And yet, again, maybe we would never taught, maybe we never focused on the radical nature of coming into the presence of Abba, Elohim, El Shaddai, El Elyon. Right? I guarantee you the high priest... Didn't take that for granted. He was getting everything right. <laughs> he understood the, the magnitude of coming into the presence of Elohim. And sometimes I just wonder in the new covenant and in, in 2021, if we appreciate the magnitude of the privilege to come into the presence of Abba. Of Abba. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. need. That word draw near is pros. There's pros again. It's er erhomai. It's to come facing forward, to have access. So imagine this. The next time you go to pray, the word picture from Hebrews 4 to 14, 16 is you are facing, coming into, having access to the throne of grace. That's what's happening is you are coming into the presence of Elohim and Abba. And so, this morning, I want to give us that opportunity. You know, sometimes we we learn from each other, even in prayer. And, you know, uh, I've known Mark for 20 plus years, and we sometimes go out and have times of prayer and sharing lives, and you know, I just told Mark this morning. I said, "Mark, you know, in all the years I've known you, one of the one of the things that I've been blessed by you and I've learned from you is that when we pray, we're quiet in the beginning, and we do that even as the elder said. When we pray, we just get quiet. Pross." And in my times of prayer with Mark, when you cross, now your prayers become responsive. And your agenda goes out and his agenda starts to come in. And now you're praying as the spirit leads you to pray. You may pray what you thought you were going to pray, what that may go completely out the window, and the Spirit may put something on your heart and mind that you had no idea you were supposed to pray for, but because you cross, now you're praying according to His will, in His presence. And when you get to do that with a brother or a sister, and prayer isn't just something you're getting through or doing, and you understand we are coming to the throne of grace, to Elohim, El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Olam, Abba, and you sit there long enough to allow that reality to be the foundation, who knows where you're going to pray? Who knows where your prayer is going to go? Who knows? You may not even say a word because you are so caught up in the moment of being in the presence of God. When we did this this morning, I shared what, a little bit of what I was going to share, and I said, okay, let's do this. And we sat, and before I knew it, 10, 10 minutes had just gone like that, that fast, as you just sat in the presence of God, not having to say something, but simply waiting, simply Waiting. you guys can come up there's a great quote by Leonard Ravenhill it says this prayer is not a position it's a disposition prayer is not a position it's a disposition you see we we get so enthused about trying to teach you how to pray and there's nothing wrong with the mechanics of prayer but i think sometimes we emphasize the position versus the disposition And the disposition means the right attitude and heart. And where does that come from? Pross. Pross. See, I was like, Lord, we're going to talk about the first syllable? Yeah. We're going to camp on pross? Yeah. Because I'm guessing There's a very high percentage of people here and listening online that the last time you prayed, you went right into it. You just started talking at him with the best of intentions. I get that. I'm not slamming you. I'm I... When was the last time you paused before you uhomied? When was the last time... Okay, remember biblical meditation is not emptying, it's a filling of the mind. Well, when you pros, it's not an emptying of your mind, it's a filling of your mind with the names of God and his presence. That's pros. You fill your mind with the biblical truth that you're coming to the throne of grace to Abba and all He is. That's pros for as long as that takes. I mean, like I said, he may begin to stir in you things to pray. He may keep you quiet and you may have on your face and you don't even know how you got on your face because nothing matters anymore and the things of the world grow strangely dim in the light of him. You don't care what anyone thinks about you. Your, your prayer time isn't based on the clock. You are so pros that you let him lead. And you pray according to his spirit and his agenda. And so we're going to sing a song. And I'm going to encourage you during this song, begin to just be in his presence. Just be in his presence. And focus on who he is. Right? After the song, we're going to put the names back up and we are going to sit here and you're going to sit at home, I invite you, and we are going to cross. Because I'm guessing it's been a long time for many of us to have simply sat in the very presence and conscious awareness of being in the throne of grace before Abba and Elohim. Let's sing.